welcome to another Health Essentials Podcast. I'm John Horton, your host. Today, we're going to dive into a debate about the left and the right. And no, we're not talking about politics. We're looking at the anatomical halves of your brain. According to long-held beliefs, the two sides of your brain power different ways of thinking. People who are right-brain dominant are said to be more creative. Uh, Those who are left-brain dominant, they're labeled as more analytical. Is there any truth to that? Well, we're going to answer that question by tapping into the mind of psychologist Grace Torek. Dr. Torek is one of the many experts at Cleveland Clinic who visit our weekly podcast to demystify our bodies and our health. So let's put our thinking caps on and learn how our brains really work. Dr. Torek, I got to tell you, every time I see your name on the calendar, I'm always excited because we have such great talks. So thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I love being involved in these and just kind of sharing all the really cool things that we you know, have to offer here at Cleveland Clinic and just all the cool topics you guys bring to the stage. So I'm very happy. You always bring uh, cool topics to life for us. And, uh, and today we're talking about the brain, which is kind of... Uh, that's your professional turf. So, um, I, it, it just, every time we talk, I'm, I'm amazed at just what, how amazing, uh, the brain is. I mean, this organ that lives in our skulls just does so much. It really, really does. And our brain is just a really cool and complex thing to talk about. And it really is involved in so many of our functions that we don't even think about every single day. So looking at our brains, we basically have this supercomputer that's kind of sitting on top of our neck. And, uh, you know, for, for those of us who kind of powered down during biology class, uh, walk us through how the brain works and, and kind of how it functions as our body's control center. Absolutely. So I'm going to break this down into kind of three major areas that take up this space, you know, in our skulls here. And the major part or what we think of, or when we, you know, Google an image of the brain, what we're usually looking at is the cerebrum. Now, the cerebrum, that controls somatosensory, motor, language, thought processes, memory, emotions, and it's in two hemispheres. Now, these two hemispheres are connected by a large bundle of fibers that we call the corpus callosum. So that is one of the major areas that we're going to talk about. But there's always, you know, two other parts that I think deserve some credit too. And that would be the cerebellum and the brain stem. Now, the cerebellum, that's kind of towards the back of our skull. And that coordinates and regulates our muscular activity. So think balance, movement, that kind of thing. And then the brain stem, kind of like, I don't know, a beanstalk or something, <laughs> that is what allows messages to connect from the cerebrum to our spinal cord. So that allows messages to go from the brain down and is responsible for a lot of our involuntary muscles. So think about, well, we don't have to think about our heart rate, digestion, and those sorts of things. These are kind of the three major players that allow us to think, breathe, and do as we do as humans each and every day. There's a lot going on up there. And um, so... We're talking today specifically about the two halves or, or the hemispheres of, of your brain. Um, so as all of this is going on and you have all these different functions, um, are those two halves working together or, or are they working kind of separately and independently from each other? That is a great question. So now our cerebrum in itself is broken down into those two hemispheres, like I just said, right? And there's actually different lobes 
of the brain within these two hemispheres, right? Because it's never easy. Make it more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now these four lobes, there's four, like I said, there's the frontal, parietal, occipital, and temporal. Now they all break down different activities and different areas of the brain, even on different sides, can be responsible for different things. Just because we are complex creatures, right? So we got to kind of break it down. But some of the most important things to know is that oftentimes individuals will have one side of their brain, so one hemisphere that might be a little bit more dominant and that might house different functions. So for example, in our frontal lobe, this is what where movement, judgment, problem solving, intelligence, writing, speaking, all this great stuff is housed. But in our most individuals, the dominant hemisphere is actually the left hemisphere in terms of where language, expressing language and interpreting language occurs. So if we were to have damage in this area in the Front, in the frontal lobe on the left side for most people, if damage was to occur there, going back to a lot of science classes for us, this is where aphasias would occur. A lot of us here, Broca's aphasia, Wernicke's, but so that side of the brain is where language happens for a lot of us. And in most individuals, it's that left side, but not always the same for everyone. Not every single person's brain is the same. So there is what we call brain asymmetry, where one person might have the right side of the brain be a little bit more dominant. But as, you know, creatures and as we develop over time, our brains learn how to kind of, if one area is stronger, how do we kind of compensate for that? Our brains are really, really smart. So if one area is stronger, usually there's other areas of our brain that are compensating so that all the different areas come together. So it's a really long-winded way for me to say, John, that it works together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, th thank you for bringing that back. I was like, we were all, we were going all over. I needed like uh, some Google Maps going on there just to, uh, for, for directions. But <laughs> so, so as we're looking at this then, and, and I think, you know, as we like to do in the world, we like to make things real simple and just go, you know, there's a left brain person and a right brain person. So are there specific characteristics that kind of reflect somebody who's left brain dominant or, or right brain dominant? Sure. And now there is often quite a lot of talk. I feel like if we Google that, right, or we're always here like, oh, I'm a more creative type A, type B, right brain, left brain type of person, right? Because everybody wants to identify themselves somewhere. So, so. And so oftentimes we think of right brain thinkers, you know, being the more creative types, artistic, maybe more free spirited, while our left brain thinkers are more rigid and logical and detail oriented. But the truth behind all of this isn't really as accurate as we think when it comes to breaking it down to the science, right? There really is no type of personality or type of, you know, behavior that's linked with being more right brain, left brain dominant. Because, like I said, our two hemispheres are working together. But there might be situations that we're in where it's more appropriate for us to be one type of way, right? So we might have strengths on either side that come into play depending on the situation that we're in. So do you find, do people tend to, they want to associate with one way and you almost then act that way? You kind of, uh, you set yourself up like, oh, this is who I am. So therefore 
I, I will, I'll be this way. Sometimes. And it's actually quite funny because a lot of times you'll hear people say, oh, I am not artistic at all, right? I am not creative. I can't do that sort of thing, right? But a lot of times this depends on the context, right? Well, sure, maybe you can't, you know, paint a Mona Lisa right here and now, but if you tried a glass blowing class? Have you tried painting? Have you tried a cooking class, right? So sometimes it's the context that we go in that can actually bring out these different characteristics that we thought maybe weren't so strong in us. Well, and that kind of brings us to this idea, like, can you build up, I say one side and, and, and kind of, if you, you consider yourself more of a creative artistic person, um, are there kind of mental exercises you can do to, to maybe, uh, improve that analytical side and, and, and vice versa too? If you're analytical, uh, ways that you can get a little more creative and artsy. Absolutely. And it's really all about honing those skills. So for example, if we consider ourselves a little bit more creative and maybe staying on task or getting a, a task done in a confined amount of time is difficult for us, we just break it down and we practice. So maybe if we're more used to visual things, well, maybe we break down our tasks into a list so we can check them off as we go, right? Or maybe creating visual cues for ourselves to stay on task. I have to do this all the time, right? But maybe that means we create reminders on our phone to keep us on task, put sticky notes on the side of our computer in our favorite color that will keep us on task or set little reminders for ourselves to stay on task, even if that means an alarm, you know, okay, I'm going to do this task and I want to get it done in this time frame. Well, if I set a 30 minute timer for myself and I really promise that I'm going to stick to it, that can be really helpful. And then on the creative side, if we are really analytical, try jumping into a new project, enrolling in a class, right? Trying something new that we haven't done before. And sometimes if we're analytical, some instruction can help, some guidelines, right? Can be a really good way for us to dip our feet into the other side of the brain, uh, so to speak. So it sounds like, I mean, your brain, it, it, it's a muscle. So, I mean, if you feel like you have one side that's weaker, uh, you just, you need to work it. Yes, exactly. And just like I said before, there are some people who naturally are going to have certain areas of their brain that are a little bit stronger and our brain has just learned to compensate. But that doesn't mean that we can't provide it with a new set of skills to kind of train our brain to learn new skills. Our brains are very, very smart. And the more we practice and the more we kind of expose it to these new things, we certainly can pick up new skills along the way. So don't put yourself in a box by just classifying yourself one side or the other. We all have that freedom to, to tango over that line if we want to. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a challenge. We all need to somehow find something a little more and, and go and, and do something different. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, perfect time for a new resolution, right? Sometimes I think you just, you have to push a little bit and, and like I said, maybe get into a corner of your brain you're not using as much just to uh, dust it off and, and get it working. Exactly. And even getting involved with a friend to do that, right? Sometimes it can be intimidating, but it's not something we're used to doing. So bring a friend along, give it a try and have fun with it, right? It's okay if we're not perfect at the new thing we try the first time. We really just want to be enjoying new things. I think that's the biggest takeaway there. Well, perfect. Before we wind things down, is there anything that we missed or anything else you'd like to add? I think we did a really, really good job covering that. I really appreciate you bringing this topic to the table. I think it's something that people are often curious about. And I love what you say by not boxing ourselves in, opening ourselves up to all the possibilities. 
All right. Well, thank you. As always, Dr. Twarik, you are a fountain of information. So I appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much. Well, it's a good thing our brains can handle so much information because Dr. Twarik gave us a lot to ponder. And that's true whether you're left brain or right brain dominant. Till next time, be well. Thank you for listening to Health Essentials, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit clevelandclinic.org slash H-E podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician.